0: You are listening to Mockingbird. This recording was made at the 8th Annual Mockingbird Conference, held at Calvary St. George's Church in New York City. Poor though I am, despised forgot, yet God my God forgets me not, and he is safe and must succeed, for whom the Lord is sure to plead. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> Well, on behalf of the vestry and the staff and the clergy of the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York, I bid you a very warm welcome to the historic St. George's Church and to the 8th Annual Mockingbird Conference here in the city of New York. It is a real pleasure and an honor and a privilege once again to host this conference. And uh, before we begin, I do want to say a special thanks to especially our staff, our staff, Who We've just come out of Easter, and we have confirmation this Sunday, and so we quite haven't come out of the tomb yet, Um, but but it's going to come, and I want to say a special thanks to them, and I want to say a special thanks to my wife, Melina Smith, uh, who has organized the dinners for us here, and when you go down, you'll see the table settings. Which are beautiful and they really convey the whole theme of what this conference is about. There's a blue tablecloth which represents the waters where God's promises are found, washing over the slates of our heart, bringing about new life, the little cactuses there. And uh, I just want to say thank you for all you've done. And so it's great. I'm thrilled to give the opening talk this evening. Uh, over the last couple of months, a number of people have come up to me and they said, Oh man, that's so cool. You're giving the opening talk at Mockingbird? I'm totally going to be there on Friday to hear Nadia. So anyway, uh, but uh, no, uh, it's great and this is wonderful. You're all, you're all special to me, treasures in heaven. But uh, anyway... <laughs> St. George's, where you're at, let me tell you a little bit about where you're at. St. George's is the second oldest continuously worshiping congregation in the city of New York. And it's in its early days and, and throughout its history, it's been a church that has been committed to the message of distinguishing between the law and the gospel. These reformational principles that we all, we all hold so dear in our hearts The Reverend Dr. Stephen Ting, who was the rector of St. George's Church for 33 years, from 1845 to 1878, was a powerful preacher of the gospel in the city of New York. And he actually oversaw the construction of this beautiful structure that we sit in tonight. Now, if you notice something about the architecture, there isn't a single column in the way of the pulpit. And that was because Stephen... Dr. Ting said he wanted absolutely nothing to impede sinners from hearing the message of God's grace and forgiveness through the atoning blood of Jesus. Now, we all know there are a lot of columns in this world that impede us from hearing the words of God and in his forgiveness and mercy. Over the last 15 years, one could argue that one of the biggest columns we've constructed to protect us from this very powerful message of grace and forgiveness is our lives as they are revealed on social media. The distinction, social media has enabled us to to create a distinction between the ideal self and the real self. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram... Christian Mingle. Uh, (laughs) These have all become platforms for us to present the ideal you from a societal standpoint of competition, achievement, and status, what we call the law. And these platforms, these various platforms, I just want you to know that I love them, for the record, except for Christian Mingle, um, because I'm married and I've never been on it and that would be awkward. But anyway... um, (laughs) But if you use it, praise God, I've heard it does wonderful things. But, but, but these, these, these platforms enabled us to project a perfect picture of ourselves, our ideal selves. I love my ideal self because the ideal self doesn't need grace. My ideal self doesn't need forgiveness because my ideal self is doing just fine. Personal confession, I've yet to put a picture of my son or daughter on Facebook when they are throwing a tantrum in a store, and I'm seething with rage because they've embarrassed me. (laughs) Hashtag best dad ever. Um, I have never in my life tweeted, this week I gained 10 pounds and I'm feeling really beloaded. Hashtag starting all over. Uh, And I have never put on our church's Facebook page the times when I ordered 12 large pizzas for an event and only six people showed up, and one of them being me because I had to be there, you know? Hashtag world changer. And I mean seriously, just, just try and find pictures of the first Mockingbird Conference. You won't. But this is my this is my first point. The thing that's really radical about the gospel and what we're about is the very ideas of grace and forgiveness. Because grace and forgiveness meets me when I'm angry at my 5-year-old son. Grace and forgiveness is what God Jesus hung on a cross. Because this message of grace and forgiveness. Your sins are forgiven. Spoken to the real self. The Pharisee and the scribes and all of us. That hits us like a ton of bricks. What do you mean I got to be forgiven? What do you mean I I need grace? Because to people who have it all together... To the ideal self, these words are a total offense. And they're a total offense because they call us right out. Social media expert Dana Boyd points out that the unintended consequence of social media is that it is actually quickly bringing together the gap between the real and the ideal self in the worst possible ways. She makes the point, in years past, people primarily regretted only the things they had not done. But now, our biggest fears are the things we have done for the whole world to see forever. Boyd goes on to say, while a teacher holding alcohol in a school context may conflict with social norms and the same person holding alcohol in a bar during their vacation seems reasonable with social norms. The problem is that sites like Facebook are public places where different conflicting contexts of social norms exist, and they coexist. And as a result, the wrong self-presentation is perceived by the unintended audience, and it always has drastic consequences. To illustrate this, last year NPR's Morning Edition did a story on a kid named Justin Carter who regularly played this online game called League of Legends. I hope we'll hear more about it tomorrow because it's extremely violent and it's known for its online toxic trash talking. I'm just kidding. I hope not. But um, I just want to hear, how's Tetris doing? But uh, anyway, um, uh, at the end of a game, this kid Justin, his aggressive ideal self, posted, I'm going to shoot a kindergarten and watch it rain down with blood. This is a kid who just plays video games all day long. He has that physique and that look. But within hours, he was arrested. The judge posted his bail at a half a million dollars. So he has been stuck in jail awaiting trial, where according to his family, he is essentially prison bait. His father, Jack Carter, wept. As he said, my son is really sorry. He just got caught up in the moment. It was just a game. Talk about a heavy illustration of the fact that the law brokers no compromise with the ideal self or the real self. Because Justin is a basically a good person. This is extreme. But most of us have some sort of social media regret or maybe just a relational regret in general where the real self slipped past the ideal, got ahead of it. This is my second point. Whether you're on social media or not, behind the wonderful facade of the ideal self lies a dirty slate. And that dirty slate is our real selves. And this is what makes Mockingbird, this movement of women and men, so critical in this day and age of the church. Because what we understand and have come to believe through specifically our own massive failures and deaths is that oftentimes the biggest column to hearing God's grace and forgiveness is us. And yet, without the hope of grace and forgiveness found in the cross of Christ, no matter how often we try and clean that slate up with our ideal selves, the deep etchings, as Jim spoke about, of the hurts that have been done to us and the chalky smears of the hurts we've inflicted upon each other still profoundly remain. On our own. That slate is never clean. As the prophet Malachi says, without forgiveness, who can stand before the Lord, for he is a refiner's fire? But the wonderful news of this grace and forgiveness is that it has the power to burn away that ideal self and bring about something completely new. Bring about something profound and bring about something that is deeply, deeply countercultural. A truly clean slate and the opportunity to declare it to others. Last week, the entire country once again sat in shock and horror as this time we actually witnessed the North Charleston police officer, Michael Slager, shoot Walter Scott eight times in the back as he ran from Officer Slager. And Anderson Cooper, from Anderson Cooper 360, uh, Anderson Cooper conducted the first interview with Walter's mother, Judy Scott. And Anderson there on the camera, he asked her, what are you feeling right now? What's going through your mind? I think Anderson, I know I was, and I think probably the whole world was hoping her first words would be, I got a bone to pick, and I'm mad as hell. But she didn't. Instead, what she said blew the world away. What she said was a new word. It was a profound word. And it was a word that is deeply, deeply countercultural. What she said was was rooted in the words and actions of a father whose son was unjustly killed. What she said was this: She said, "I'm supposed to be really angry and upset, raging out and all that, but I can't. Because of the love of God in me, I can't be like that. I feel forgiveness in my heart." even for the guy who shot and killed my son. Now her words alone cannot create a clean slate for Michael Slager, but the words she spoke points to the one who can, has, and will. Those words point to the one who has, can, and will also continue to give you a clean slate. St. John writes in his first epistle in the first chapter at the ninth verse, if we confess our sin, allowing the real self to be exposed, God is merciful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, a.k.a. give us a clean slate. God is just in forgiving you, God is just in forgiving your sins and giving you a clean slate. In Jesus, absolution is just. And it's just because it's not as if Jesus is standing up in heaven, the right hand of the Father before him, saying, Listen, listen, God, I know Jake's a total jerk especially uh, that thing he calls his uh, ideal self. But God, would you please, please forgive him once again? Pretty please. He said in a prayer last night that he'll never do it again, so would you just please forgive him? You know, pretty please with a cherry on top. That's not what's happening here. And that was not the experience of that mother. No, if any person... Sin, We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And before the throne of God, he says, We know who Jacob is, but I've died for him. And it is just that you not only forgive him, but it is just that by taking away his unrighteousness, It is just that you take away his unrighteousness and that you give him a perpetual clean slate. Or, in other words, declare him just not guilty, but totally and completely innocent. This is actually the scandal of the gospel. It makes people really nervous. What if somebody gets away with something? But this is the scandal of the gospel and the good news of it at the same time, because it's for you and me. In Christ, Walter Scott stands innocent before the Father. In Christ, Michael Slager will stand innocent before the Father. In Christ, you and I will stand innocent before the Father, reconciled, redeemed, and holding our clean slates. Don't worry ever about cheap grace or forgiveness because grace and forgiveness is not. Grace and forgiveness actually can be a cross even in our lives as the barrier that we have built up between the ideal and the real self comes tumbling down. But this word, grace and forgiveness, absolution, is the only thing that can reconcile the ideal you with the real you. And God willing, transform us all into a little more like St. Judy Scott. For the justice of absolution reconciles the past, and as the whole world saw in Judy Scott, births something completely new that is lived by faith alone in Christ alone, where daily we are given clean slates, living our lives forgiving as we have been forgiven. And this is my third point. Forgiveness means to pardon without harboring resentment, to gift away. And ultimately, this is the way God has chosen to relate to our real selves, so that our dirty slates, our sins may be forgiven, and that we might live in a hope of a real future with completely clean slates found in Christ alone on that last day. And this forgiveness, this absolution, is totally just because Jesus has done it all for you. And it's all gift for you from a gracious and merciful God sealed in His very blood. Would you please stand? Because of Christ, absolution is just. And because of Christ, you no longer have a dirty slate. Because of Christ, You are not just not guilty. Because of Christ, you have been made clean, and you have a clean slate. And because of Christ, you are totally innocent in his sight. For behold, he makes all things new. Amen.